like I'm losing my mind Is everybody in the world blind? Please Lord give me a sign, a sign Wanna be the greatest Everybody on the face shit I look around and feel like everybody is the fakest I make this Every day and I'm impatient Hoping one day I blow up from the basement Welcome to the Mark and Mo show Welcome everybody I don't know how many people are in here Because I have the whole side cut off Hopefully everyone had a wonderful week Mo, quick question for you How yeah. many people do you think Are now acting as if they know what um, Finch meant? You know what I'm talking do, about? Yeah, I do. The downgrade. Um, yeah, yeah. I'd say so. Twitter is an echo chamber of four or five people saying something and everyone just reiterating stuff just so they can get the. It's called engagement farming. So not a lot of people know. Yeah, uh, it's just funny because all of a sudden everyone's acting like they knew exactly what it meant and how the market's going to crash. And according to the this unknown investor, trader, he's pretty old. His name is Warren Buffett. He came forward and he said that um, it's a nothing burger, basically. It's just people are completely overreacting about this and don't listen to the noise. I had no idea what the Finch even meant. I just know the market in the futures market after hours tanked a little bit. And um, we've been kind of down since, correct? Yeah, I'll tell you, my journey has changed ever since March. I stopped focusing on macro too much because, look, that's not my area of expertise. And unless you have a mentor directly who uh, excels in it, most of the stuff is just reiterated and what i've noticed is a lot of times news comes in and the market reacts people kind of make up why it happened connecting two plus two mm -hmm. so i don't want to do that just follow the levels that's all i do but um like look at amazon we'll talk about it later but no let's talk about it now why not let's talk about amazon right now that thing went from 125, I think it hit 140. Right now, it should be sitting around 137, 138. And they killed, they smoked mm -hmm. earnings. And that shows you appetite if what investors have. And if you look at their advertising numbers, there's no sign of recession because America or, or all these great countries are made out of small businesses and entrepreneurs, and they're spending more money than expecting on advertising meaning they're growing so i think uh mark monroe mentioned it too it comes down to earnings now which is what we're seeing they're not looking at the market they're not looking at sector they're looking for stocks that are doing well they're buying it amazon was the last one left google did the same thing and i think personally we spoke about uh market topping mm -hmm. last week on thursday we spoke about it spx was 4600 since then, it's down uh, about 120 point-ish. And I mm -hmm. think this is just the start. Um, people are bullish. I don't blame them. They've been rewarded for buying the dip. I'd be very careful here. From here on all the way till September, it is going to be a stock-specific market. So the indexes are going to go down. Certain stocks that are low-valued might go up like Tulo, TWLO. Someone brought it up a month ago. I think like stocks like those, they're underpriced, might go up. But if you think Apple's going to go up to 230, 240, 250 here, I think at least a 20% correction in individual stocks that are up there are um, going to suffer. But we know what, since we're talking about last week, do you want to talk about your Apple spread? Yeah, let's talk about it. So the Apple spread, if you guys took the 
apple spread, um, which was actually two weeks ago. So, by the way, our apologies last week. Um, we did not give out the play. We said we were going to, and we did not. That's totally my fault. I'll, I no, really no, apologize, y'all. I went way too long on that episode. So I need to zip it up a little bit. But anyways, Apple vertical spread. I closed out today at 80%. We mentioned it two weeks ago. Last week, I touched on it again, and I spoke about that if you hadn't gotten in yet, um, I, I was going to buy more contracts. I did buy more contracts because the premium was kind of kind of up there still. Then, come this week, I just held it, and I watched it go down slightly. I think it went down as far as like 12% at one point. And then next thing you know, it just took off. And today, I exited. Like I said, and I said that last week, too, I was going to get out before earnings. Before earnings today, I got out of it for 80% around, I think, 1 o'clock, 2 p.m. or so. You, you could have held to tomorrow, but you, I wasn't sure what was going to happen with Apple. I, I didn't think it was going to jump up almost $15 because it went down. But I didn't want to take any risks. So I got out 80%. Boom. How about yours, Mo? How did your veil go that you called so out? We closed the trade at 62%. I left runners, closed them. Um, Brazil uh, had numbers come up today and they were very good, meaning their inflation is going down and they're decreasing interest rates. So I would keep an eye on Vail, see if it resists that 50 moving average again on the daily. I'd be adding it again. Uh, but don't worry, today we will be giving out a trade. So stay <laughs> tuned. Uh, that is going to come. But yeah, last week we got, um, we had a lot of stuff packed in one episode. So kind of overextended. So there was no point to extend it even more, but we got you guys this week. Yeah. And um, speaking of what you were just talking about earlier, right before we got into this whole conversation, and I think this could fall into the category of critical thinking, which is one of those topics I want to bring up because it kind of follows about last week's episode as well. Cause I know I could have potentially turned off some people and um, I'm pretty transparent. This is who I am. I'm honest. I speak from the heart. You, I know there's like two sides. You either like me you, or you think I'm a hater. So uh, I, I'm not going to change your mind. It's just only thing I ask is just critically think about the things I say, the things that Mo says, the things you hear other people say in your personal life, as well as like other parts of your life, politics, um, friends, stuff like that. You got to start critically thinking when it comes to what you're going to do, especially in the stock market as well, when it comes to stocks. Right. I think a lot of us. Uh, Mo, I think you would agree, for example, Tesla, at it got close to $300. If you didn't buy at the $100, if you didn't buy at the $150 or the $200 or $250, and now we are pretty much at the 52-week high again, do you think it's the smartest time to throw all your money into it? Um, like If we weren't in the current environment we are, personally, I would have bought Tesla, but just like I showed you guys the seasonality chart for last uh, for August and September. IWM, your small caps are going to go up and your SBX will go down. Now, seasonality chart are meaningful for a reason. Now, there's always going to be anomalies, but trend is your friend. And so far, it's been bang on. It's a very good benchmark to look at. Just see what happened in August. The first of August hit, we got a red date, then another red date, then another red date. They're actually selling the rips. That wasn't happening in July or June or March. So we're Feb or Jan to say. So something's changing. And I wouldn't take too much. Uh, I wouldn't put too much effort on what um, these upgrades and downgrades are, uh, which was Mark was suggesting, because this has a lot to do with seasonality. And 
we are so buffed up right now that any bad news we're gonna start trickling down because there's practically no hedging until yesterday big hedges came yesterday and today which we can go over uh and i'm at, i will go over a couple of options for hedging for you guys yeah speaking of what you just said there too i um shout out to q i think he's the one who told me this before as well and going back to like critical thinking right you just talked about how amazon knocked it out the water right so even as an even as an investor or a trader you speak on the trader side on this one but amazon is extremely high right now and if you didn't get in yet should you get in personally i just don't think that is smart and shout out to q because he gave some advice that stuck with me a couple years ago i think it was him but he said never buy after the rip after the earnings just wait four weeks and you'll see where the price and where the market is really i guess pricing it at so kind of wait and it seems to be relatively true i usually see like these rips and then it kind of slowly tapers off and then it kind of settles for a while until we start getting some news again and it gets volatile on the trading side what have you seen so i'll speak on i have a difference of opinion with q here okay. and you can go see that when we are in a downturn market and recession when things go all-time high a lot of times people are like i don't want to touch this because it's at all-time high in my opinion when that happened it's telling you that every single investor in that stock at this point it's they're profitable and that's why it's all-time mm -hmm. high and they haven't taken profit so they're in like full trust of the company a perfect example that no one talks about is a stock called smci i had it's a semiconductor i had it half the times i'll talk and i won't even know the name what the stock does because i'm <laughs> such a technical player and so just um go with the flow when i'm talking about this stuff that thing was 52 dollars in i think it's sitting at 320 something i got jesus yeah, it, it did better than NVIDIA, but no one really talks about it. I had calls on it when it was $52 uh, for 120 I made 300% on it, and I thought I was uh, doing really well. That thing did 3,000% uh, on options, the one that I had. I had the July 20 ones. And so the play that I'm going to talk about today shows me that kind of potential without causing any more FOMO. Back to what, Mark, you were saying. I think if some stock shows strength, especially after earning, it can change the mindset of investors. I'll give you a perfect example because I want to be specific. Do you remember when um, Intel had an event where they kind of bombed it and all the investors then yes. moved to AMD? Yep, and they, they all left. Yep. And from that day on, all AMD did was make new highs. And a lot of our mindset is this. When things go all-time high we don't want to touch it because it's too high when things go all-time low we want to touch it because it's low and you shouldn't do either you should just look at the stock on its own merit because like remember me and mark used to talk about paypal when it was like three something and yeah. we're like let's buy when it gets to 270 then 250 <laughs> then 200 then 150 so i think we never it bought depends. it depends on the stock like i so would buy tesla at 250 if the market seasonality wasn't where we're at, where I think this thing can go back to 100 here, because Elon's talked a pretty big game here, and we haven't seen much from it apart from him buying Twitter for an overpriced thing. And now, like, I know he made a lot of partnerships, and 
a lot of you guys are talking about Cybertruck and me and Mark talked about it. You need to give $100 to book a Cybertruck. Practically, anyone in the world could pay $100 US to hold one, but I don't know how many will take delivery. So uh, that's where I disagree with Q. I think if the mindset shift happens after earning, you should just buy if you see potential in a stock. You have some pretty valid points. Yeah, I, I think it's also hard just on the emotional aspect of things as well. For it example, and, and, and this is I do this sometimes where I've been notorious for catching the bottom, but selling way too early. Like I seem to get prices really low. Like I had, I had bought Amazon, but this was all my trading account. Usually when I put in my IRA or my dividend portfolio, I don't sell out. But this was um, this was like, yeah, Amazon. I had gotten into 80s. Um, as well as Google. And then as it was going up, once it reached to like 100, instead of adding more, I sold because I couldn't justify buying above my price. And I do that a lot sometimes when you catch a good, good price and you don't want to buy it because it's, it keeps getting higher, it gets that 52-week high, and you're like, well, I'm not buying this right now because it is a good chance that it could come down and it prevents you from actually buying and getting into the entries or add more shares and dollar-cost average as it's going up. You know, Mark, will be a cool exercise. Just thought of it. If we can combine a list of stocks that you sold early, we can do a detailed analysis. <laughs> no, I'm serious. You want to depress me? <laughs> no, no, no. We could do a detailed analysis and see how we can fix it in the future. And it could be for everyone. So with me, I don't have a problem of selling early. I have a problem of holding it for too long. Like I'll give you a perfect example, especially investing. That's why I love trading more. I had a firm at 15. It went to 24 or something. I didn't take profits because I was like, I'm doing long-term investing, but I don't like that. Then I see it go back to 15 and now it's again at like 17. I still haven't taken profits because I think a firm can go to $100. Um, if, you come, if you look at UPSD, UPSD is up 6X from where it was in the last four months and a firm is up 2X. So it's a lagger. It's going to take some time. At some point, you're going to see NVIDIA money going into AMD. And at some point, you're going to see UPSD money going in a firm and new people will join in. So I think it'd be a cool thing uh, if you want to do it. We could just do an off project. And share. Yeah, yeah, we could definitely do it. I'm definitely going to get depressed, too. I know that. And I'm going to look at all these prices and be like, hmm, I should have just held everything. Um, but I've been doing a lot better. Like, literally, I've, since this past year, I've been doing way better in trading as well as investing. But yeah, we could definitely do that. I don't know why you like a firm so much, though. I, I don't. I don't think it's a good company. I don't think either. I think it's a shit company. I don't agree. I don't disagree with you. But we are in the squeeze season. If you look at small cap seasonality from here all the way till September, you're gonna see random. Sh we call them shit shitcos, shit stocks that yeah. are <laughs> going to squeeze. Like, like I said, like Fabio, not in his right mind, would go to a portfolio manager and be like, go buy a firm. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's the reason? I think it can squeeze. No, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And you get fired. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I got you. All right. I wasn't sure because you kept saying, you know, I'm, I'm, you said investing. So I just thought that may, like you fundamentally actually like the company. You just see an opportunity to make money. Yeah. Which is what we could start talking about here real quick into the next subject. Barbenheimer. If you know what Barbenheimer is, please throw a one in the chat. While I am watching the chat, I'm also going to announce real quick. Remember, y'all, this isn't the same come up series from the 2020s. Well, we are still in 2020s, but 2020 and 2021. 
We he's we have expanded the show and we have this lineup on Mondays. You got Lawrence and friends for the Monday night take. Tuesday, you got Mark and Joe Lynn GC for executive education. Wednesday, you got Christopher Bush and Abby Joseph for Redline. And then Thursdays is where you got me and Mo, where we're just chilling together, talking about some hot topics, stocks, other things, entertainment. So make sure you subscribe as well and share. So, all right. So it looks like some, some people know well, Barbenheimer. All right, Barbenheimer. It's essentially a phenomenon somewhat, apparently, for the, you know, the summer theater box office. It's the Barbie movie and Oppenheimer. And they call it Barbenheimer because apparently, well, both of them killed it in the box office. I'm talking about Barbie at this point, I think, is over $200 million. She beat freaking Mission Impossible by a landslide. She beat pretty much almost every single movie that came out this year. They're saying that it's on track to hit about a billion dollars. Same thing with Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer is considered very, very good movies. Christopher Nolan's newest movie also did well. What they notice is that people are, are basically buying uh, tickets to both of the movies same day, back to back, like a double feature. So Mattel stock went up because of that. Warner Brothers stock went up because of that a little bit. And I wanted to talk about this one as well, because how do you go to theaters often? Yes or no? Yeah, to me? Yeah. Uh, no. Okay, so... It's a thing that I enjoy doing. It's my only time to like escape from reality. What I have noticed in, in the theater is that less and less people are showing up, especially during the summer, except for this past weekend with you know, Barbie and Oppenheimer. But it's not as busy and as packed as it used to be, which is the reason why I think more and more people just got kind of used to after the pandemic just to stay at home and wait for things on the streaming services. But my question is, do you think that theaters will still even be relevant in the next five years? Bro, after what Apple's doing and Meta's doing with those glasses, I'm telling you, us as humans, we're, I don't want to say everyone's lazy, but we want convenience. And the convenience you have at your house, you have kids, you understand. Mm -hmm. That's another factor. You can go get a babysitter, especially unless your kids are old enough. Apart from that, most people have the convenience of watching it at their house. Once we get those glasses that Meta's talking about, it's like the world's best technology or whatever they're calling it. Yeah. Um, You're talking about I, Apple, right? The Apple Pros and... Yeah, I, I forgot what it was called. But yeah, Pro the Vision. Apple Pros. Um, Vision Pro. I don't know, man. I think a lot of people are choosing to spend their dollar on other things. I also think right now there is a culture of um just hype trains if something mm -hmm. gets hyped people go on TikTok and make trends on it and then from there people just want to do what other people are doing which is what we talked about if a group of people are looking up even though there's nothing you're gonna walk in that group and first thing you're going to do is look up if you don't see anything you don't want to sound stupid <laughs> so either you're gonna walk away majority won't ask why they're looking up because you don't want to sound stupid so i think a lot of people are just going watching movies because all i see on tiktok is talks about barbie my wife went to go see a movie after year and the movie she watched was barbie because everyone's talking about it so everyone feel like they're missing out if yeah. they don't go watch it 
Yeah, and they do. They spent a lot of money on their campaign, like over two hundred and fifty million dollars, more than the movie they yeah. spent. So, I mean, the marketing campaign is working. I know it was trying to. People were trying to make it political for a while, and I think that kind of has fell off to the side because the movie is just doing extremely, extremely well. With that being said, as well, what we also notice in theaters, what do you always see? It's remakes of old classic movies or um, superhero movies or sequels to something, right? So I got a chart up here, and I know a lot of people are interested sometimes in investing in these companies like Disney, Paramount, WBD, Sony, and et cetera. So I want to give kind of some my little ideas on this, and I want to see what you think, Mo, as well, when it comes to these price targets, because I have them actually plotted. So Disney, they're laying off, I think, close to 700,000 people here soon. They're cutting back. They're slowing down on the production of their projects i think they canceled close to 36 or 26 26 or 36 um movies and stuff they were working on i was supposed to get released and they're going to try to sell some of their content and get into the licensing agreement because of that and even though disney i mean disney has been performing relatively not too good recently so i do have a demand zone here and i did get an option i talked about that i think last week that i got a call for it but I'm actually thinking about scaling in slowly into shares. I'm hoping that by the end of the year, they or maybe next year, they'll bring back the dividend because then it makes it even more worthwhile. But I'm, I may start actually getting in heavier if this breaks below the $80 range. But right now, I am scaling in between $84 and $87. Would you invest into Disney? Uh, I have a couple of stocks. Uh, not a couple of stocks. I have... Uh, position in Disney, I added around 86. Uh, I think it's down right now. I don't tend mm-hmm. to look at stocks every day. I try to look at them every month because it's just added work. Um, they keep selling Disney. It's like almost like they don't want to hold this. And when you're catching a falling knife, which is what Disney is, yep, you have to wait. And so what I mean by that is you need to have a very small position size because if you're wrong, this thing can keep selling and if there's no buyers we don't know it can go to 60 it can go to 50 that being said the seasonality where we're headed it's it's kind of tough because when everything was pumping no one's buying disney now everything's selling off i don't know who's gonna come and buy disney other mm-hmm. than just a big fun thinking that oh this is better um PE ratio or whatever you want to call it, but we had Fabio the other day and he said a big no to Disney. Yeah, he doesn't like it. Well, he's reconsidering as an update. He's starting to reconsider at these levels as well. Yeah, because trend is your friend. A lot of time, the easiest trade to take are the the uptrending. This is downtrending. So Mm -hmm. anytime I add in downtrending, I'm averaging up. I'm never averaging down because there's no end and you're going to run out of money. So you have to, it needs to stay above 85 to keep thinking about it okay so um glad we got two different perspectives and then next para paramount that one is actually in a demand zone which i have and i have been adding since um i can't even see where's this out the way because i bought at this candle where is that at all right july so no it was before that i'm pretty sure it was before that i just bought a couple of shares in my dividend portfolio out of all of these companies honestly para is probably paramount it's probably the only one I like the most out of them, um, you know, besides Sony. Sony's a different story, but 
uh, Paramount I like above the rest. Next is Warner Brothers. Everyone already knows about Warner Brothers. It's also a good trade, by the way. Anytime Warner Brothers gets down into these levels, like between the, the 10 and $12 range, you could do some pretty cool cover calls or cast your cure puts and collect some premiums on that as well. And you got Sony, which is just a monster itself. I actually going to buy Sony once it reaches this level, if it reaches this level, because there is a support level that I see around $88. I'm going to see if it's going to react to it. And because it's also by the, I think the 200 day EMA as well. If it reacts to it, I will probably buy some Sony. But Para and Sony, I like. Everything else is meh, but I, I am looking at Disney and I may start adding. That's all I got on that. Um, topic. Mark, Mark, Mark Monroe has, um, He's talking about Disney too, and he's not looking into buying in Disney either. He's saying, I would wait. Um, let me see what he's saying. Oh, because they are unloading the assets, exactly, which is what they're doing right now. Same thing with Warner Brothers. Uh, I, yeah, I know about that. That started. And honestly, if you guys ever look at the history too of Disney, Bob Iger is the one who actually put Disney in, in the situation it's currently at. So I know everyone keeps blaming Chebec, but it's actually Bob Iger who implemented a lot of these things. All right. So let's go over to WWE. Go ahead, Mo. What'd you hear about that? Well, I I thought you'd know about this. I'm like, yo, let me message Mark because this guy knows everything about WWE. But the fact that you didn't know tells me how much news is going around. It's insane. Like, do you see every five seconds Twitter's just pushing this happened, that happened? Mm-hmm. Like Dude, I like see news on Twitter, reliable sources. Uh, Biden is getting impeached. Next day, he's not getting impeached. I don't know if they're sharing text messages from random people. There's like no source. <laughs> so that's why I'm like, let me message you to see if it's actually valid or not. So apparently, um, FBI raided um, at their studio. What's his name? Uh, Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon's house, right? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to like, do you know if that's a confirmed news? Because I know you're yes, big on it is. Yes, it is confirmed. Uh, Mr. Bennett even put out a statement, a very generic statement, which I'm pretty sure he used uh, almost two years ago. It's in regards to those sexual alle- uh, allegations and payoffs that he had, that which initially he stepped down. What was it? Not it wasn't la- was it last year or the year before last? He had stepped down because of these um, sexual misconduct and using potential funds from the company to pay off these women. So that was a whole investigation that an internal investigation themselves, which was concluded in November and they found no wrongdoings, but that's internal. Okay. So, uh, I mean, you're, that's like me hiring someone to say, Hey man, I'm going to hire you to look over my taxes and I'll pay you really well if it comes back good. So it's stuff like that. I kind of got to think about that. So we'll see, but that's what it's, it's currently related to. And that's all the information they have. I was looking at the stock because I was expecting for it to open up in the morning and sell off. It didn't do anything. It's still sitting at 105. And if you guys did not follow us a couple months ago, I love WWE stock. I never bought it, unfortunately. I traded it when it was in the 50s all the way up, and I never actually bought shares. And that's probably one of my biggest regrets is WWE because it is such a good company fundamentally. And just seeing even during the bearish market, WWE was up. It was performing very well. Now it's at the price where I think they're going to merge and sell, which I think is at 107. They're like 105. So it fluctuates between 105 to 110. It went over to 112 at one point and then came right back down. If you want to play some verticals on that one too, here's one for you guys. WWE, look at the 110 
and the 115, 110, 115. You could probably get some juicy premiums and it's probably anywhere from a 72% up chance of you winning that trade uh, because it's probability-based trade. That, so anyways, nothing happened with the stock. Nothing came from it. As far as I know, this merger is still going to happen with UFC and the new ticker symbol is going to be TKO. So Mark, two questions. One is if someone's learning spread, since you know everything about it, what's the best platform for it? To learn spreads? Well, yeah, it's like the like I know you sent yeah. me E-Trade analysis uh, toolbar, so I was assuming. Yeah, so to learn spreads, me eventually. No, no, <laughs> so brokerage. Me. No, um, I meant brokerage. Oh, oh, to do it with. Yeah, E-Trade. I like E-Trade. Okay. I, I don't use Thinkorswim. Thinkorswim used to be like my number one platform where I used to go for everything, trading, buying shares, E-Trade. I just like the, with the spreads. I like the way it gives me probability, breaks it down with the percentages, and I could just play with a toggle. And I'm sure Thinkorswim got the same exact thing. It's just pretty on E-Trade. There's a reason why people love Robinhood, because how pretty it is. That's the reason why I like E-Trade doing verticals, because how pretty it is. So can we, are we able to, like when people watch it, include your link where you teach people I remember we did a or you did a class on spreads. Can we do it? So because there's a lot of new people, they could just yeah. Come. It was we did it on the we did it on the come up series. So yeah. if Mark or someone could do like a playlist of some of the stuff we went through because we did a whole cash secure put and I I did a cash secure puts and um, cover calls and then we did brought the wheel strategy into play. But I'd never actually taught the spreads that I trade yet, so I haven't done anything like that on here. Are you able to say it one more time exactly because someone has a question about WWE? Okay. Um, what, what was the question? I'm, I don't have the chat what, up. What do you want? What What is the uh, spread? The spread. Oh, okay. 110 and 115. So you should be selling the 110 and you should be buying the 115. What expiry? Put. Let me go pull it up real quick. Oh, it's just like monthlies because they only have monthlies anyways. Okay. So for then August 18th? No, you would have to do the following month to get juicy premiums with that one. So, just know this, though. Just know this. With WWE, to get out of the spread, because it's not as liquid, it does take patience. I'm telling you this now. It does take patience. Sometimes you would put the mid, and it will not get picked up. You'll do the bid, and it still won't get picked up. I'm talking about when it's time for you to sell. Okay? When you get in, no problem. It's when it comes time for you to sell, it's actually a little hard to get out of. Awesome. And FYI, this is not a financial advice. He said it before. This is stuff that he's taking. You could paper trade it if you want, or you could just take it for entertainment or education purposes. Yeah. And I'm going to go look it up while we're, um, while you can talk about your play. Okay. All right. So I am personally staying away from tech. I know Amazon did really well. I'm still bearish on tech. Um, the fact that AMD did not hold today is a big red alert. Um, usually around August, what happens is, or usually around a start of the month, what you see is new inflows. Here we're seeing outflows, which is a good uh, suggestion to follow the seasonality chart. So let's bring up, give me one second. So the chart we're looking at is called CLS. Let me just uh, enlarge the chart. So you guys can see better, and I'm going to zoom in. And let me do. Let me just take down the banner. Hold on, let me take the banner down. All right. Okay. So this is what I was saying earlier. A lot of times, 
when a stock goes all-time high, people tend to prevent it. Let me show you a stock before this. SMCI, this is the stock I was talking about. Look at how the stock has done from April 102 to 321. You can keep going back and see how well this basically new all-time highs and went parabolic. So with that in mind, one second. Just give me one second. I'm gonna pull the Discord here to see what was the exact chain. While well, I'll pull the chart, CLS. Okay, so this is the chart, and I'll make things easier. I'm going to draw a Fibonacci retracement on it. I'm going to try doing it without that because I understand a lot of people don't know. So I'm going to actually do a monthly chart. So I apologize if I said all-time high. I meant high of the year. So this is where the resistance is. If you guys see, it failed around 2175, which is very common. And... I'll show you what my levels are, which is going to be quite wide because we're looking at a monthly chart here, but I'll give you my levels. I'm expecting 29.21 out of this. That's mm -hmm. going to be my major profit taking on this. Apart from that, I'm also looking at taking some profits at 25.58. Now we'll go back to daily since we have these levels. One second. Okay, let's reset this. So these are our levels. Um, my stop on this is this level here, 2049. Um, now I'm going to tell you guys something. There, We're trading options here. We're not trading stocks. So sometimes when I say 2049, I might not get out till 20. And the reason for that is if the premium is not taking much of a hit, I'll take, I'll stay in it. And part of that, I did that with Whale. Whale was moving very slow and the premiums weren't moving. At some point, people were like, should we cut it? I'm like, no, it's, you know, just because it's a, uh, it's moving slow, it doesn't mean there's certain key levels. Once we hit that, the IV gets boosted and it goes same for the downside. Sometimes when the stock is going down, the option stays up, which is telling me that people are holding it and more people are buying it. So it's juicing up the IV even though the stock price is going down. So now for this, I have a very, very simple plan. I have a March call on it. So if you guys notice, when I call out trades, I, I'm buying in a lot of time. I'm going to tell you the two chains that the flow came in. Okay, the first chain is March 22.5. That's the strike price. And that came around 225, 230. That's one I like. And then the other one was March, um, not March, sorry, September 22.5 as well. So there's September, they've also hit December, but I like September or March. Personally, I'm a big fan of March. So you've got September, October, November, December, January, February, March. So you've got a lot of time. When I get up here, and if I'm going to talk about trades, I'm not going to call out zero days or weeklies. I'm going to look at trades where people aren't getting anxious if the premium is moving. Not a lot of volatility. When the trade works, it's going to make money 
and it's going to make a lot of money if it does what SMCI, SMCI did. Mm-hmm. Now, through this podcast, I have one goal. And the goal is this, to teach you to think different. Now, if this trade works, let's say we get to 30, the premium can go 100 to 150%. Now, for some people, that might be like, yo, I can make that much doing QQQ playing uh, zero days, but you know how much amount you can put in on zero days and how much stress you have. So I want to, I want people to think this like a lot easier because if you want to survive long term in options trading, you got to be able to relax, put in a trade, go to the gym, do your stuff. If you're a realtor, mortgage breaker, or any kind of professional, go on with your life, not like looking at the chart every five minutes. The other thing I really want people to learn is when you get in a trade, instead of thinking how much money I'm going to make if I win, think how much money you will lose if you're wrong. If you can start thinking like that, all your problems are over because you've already accepted the losses. And when you start winning, you're going to go autopilot. But a lot of you, when you start losing, the emotional side kicks in. So I want to train the brain where you accept the risk. How many times I've heard people saying, investment not option not real estate in general like oh you can lose yes you can lose but if you don't do anything you're going to stay the same so in options there's a predefined loss read the book trading in the zone a lot of us get into these trades thinking mo called it out and he can't be wrong or if mo called it out it's going to go up no i myself when i'm training i'm doing these seminars the first thing i say if this trade doesn't work out this is how much we're going to lose because I'm training everyone to accept it. So when the loss happens, you're like, cool, I accepted it. Have your expectations managed. Otherwise, the account's going to blow up. With that, Mark, I'm going to pass it to you. No, yeah. <laughs> Dude, that was, that was good. Straight up. So everything you said is 100% factual. You have to, you just have to be careful when you get into your stuff. Do your own due diligence. We're just here to kind of just provide what like things that we do ourselves. And everything you were just saying earlier about, you know, people who are busy, go to the gym, have a go back to your job when you get into the trade. That's one of the reasons why I actually like doing the verticals and just doing a cash secure put and uh, cover calls. It's just easier. You place them. I know the probability of the play, how much I'm going to make, how much I could lose. It's all written right there. And I get in, I know how much time I need, and then decide from there. Mark. Back- can I yeah. add one more thing? Sure. I, I So I got into a play last week. This is after real. So I was looking at Brazilian ticker. I mm-hmm. found a ticker, P-A-G-S. It was a month and a half out. And someone messaged, Mo, why are we trading this ticker? It's going to take so long for it to go up. An hour and a half later, that thing was up 100%. I kid you not, 100% in an hour and a half. Next day, it was up 120%. Why do you ask? That's how small caps move they move different when people come in with big money on these small caps they're not buying zero days because there's an issue with spreads and the issue with spreads is there's a liquidity issue if i come in i'll throw a ticker nicola i'm not entering zero day nicola with four million dollars <laughs> if there's no buyer i'm screwed so trey i love stne i think like watch brazil tickers this week they are, I think, something big is about to come um, because Brazil economy is way better. And if tech sells off and crypto sells off, the money is going to move based on seasonality in small caps. So beyond Fubo, Nikola, like the basket of these shit companies. On the other hand, if 
the fear for interest rate keeps going up, these are the ones that are going to get slaughtered too, because mm -hmm. these unprofitable companies, they don't work. And then we're going to go into the value component where people are going to start going for your, uh, is it the PG? Yeah, Procter Gamble. Yeah, those are the ones we're going to start going into. Pepsi, Coca-Cola. Yeah. Recession stocks, dollar store stocks. That's where we're going to go. So we have to see which way we're going. Yeah. <laughs> so let me uh, go ahead and throw the WWE play out there for y'all. There's two ones, two different levels you could do. Just choose which one fits your appetite. Definitely paper trade it. Uh, the guy that was here, was it last week? The BAC guy? Yeah. Um, yeah. Good question that he had, by the way. It did nothing, right? It went, it barely, I think it touched 32, like you said, and then it dropped below 31 in the 30s, like I said, and then it's right back in 31 where it was last week. So it did absolutely nothing. But look at WWE for September. I'm sorry for it's august so you actually can still do august and the premium is not bad it's um you sell 115 calls you buy 120 calls sell 115 buy 120 you can collect 30 dollars 88 percent chance of this being 100 percent. if you drop it down though to 110 115 you're going to look at collecting 97, 71% probability. But personally, on that trade, if you do take that one, I'll wait until WWE actually hits around 10, no, 10, yeah, around 107.30 or 107.50 cuz then that premium, that $97 premium will jump up to close to $127 premium. And that's why I would probably get in at instead. Also minimizes your downside risk. Yep. So that's it for those. Make sure we put that on the board as well and see how those will or these will play out. Got anything on that, Mo? Uh, no, uh, but there's a couple of questions about hedging. We'll cover it at the end, I guess. Um, they're kind of important. So I want to stress what I'm seeing in the market which has stayed quiet for the last three, four months. I've said macro, I'm bearish. Keep buying calls. That's what I'm doing. I'm tilting here. I, I started changing last Thursday, and I'm kind of now going to start creating this short position here. No, you know what? We could get into it real quick because the last topic is nothing really big, just P.B. Herman. Rest in peace, P.B. Herman. For everyone who loved P.B. Herman, throw one in the chat. He died at 70 years old. That was the most shocking part, the fact yeah. that that dude was 70. Have you seen him? He just did like a Broadway show a couple of years ago. The dude still looks like he was in his 30s. Lots and lots of makeup, I guess. But he has a lot of controversy, I remember. Do you know why? Um, Were you a P.B. Herman fan? No, bro. I wasn't. But I saw your uh, – I think you posted about it, too. No, I did not. Or maybe I did. I don't know. I, I could potentially could have. You posted something okay. on your story. Because I feel like he died just a couple of days ago, and I've been off of social media. I've been doing a, a social media cleanse, essentially. Can you talk so. about it? Why are you doing it? Man, honestly, I found out it's an addiction. It can be an addiction. And if I'm sitting there spending a lot of time just on the phone when I'm at work, when I'm at home, when I'm at the gym, when I'm at the movies, on, on my phone, I just felt like it was a massive distraction. And I wanted to see if I could be more productive getting away from that. And so far, so good. So my wife is doing the same thing. She deleted apps because, you know, she may have, I don't know, um, she could maybe could go through it. Anxiety, maybe might have to push on the app. The only time I went on social media, though, is just to promote our stuff, promote this. I would just go in there, 
um, drop the the link, drop the picture, and that's it. I wouldn't check messages. I wouldn't check likes or anything like that. So I'm going to kind of slowly wean off of social media just in general. That's the reason why. Um, but yeah, just, you know, Peter Herman, the reason why his career essentially died in the 90s was because he got arrested for indecent exposure. He was masturbating in, a, in an adult theater in Florida, come to find out. And that, because of that, you look at back now, it's just like, oh, it's whatever. That's not such a big deal. But back then, I guess it was a huge thing because he got canceled. He lost everything. They, took, they uh, took down the merchandise out of kids' stores. They canceled the show. It wasn't on replay anymore. Like, he lost everything. And, um, yeah, and then he got caught in 2021 again in 2020. No, I'm sorry, 2012 or something like that. He got caught for having exotic photos that were considered, I guess, child pornography, but the charges were dropped because apparently it's not. But anyways, rest in peace, Peter Herman. Um, he was a huge part of my life. So go ahead and to what you were trying to say. Uh, well, a couple of things. We have um, we have data coming tomorrow. And um, you know how AMD sold off? If Amazon sells off pre-market tomorrow, all the red flags should go off. Um, Apple's down. The generals are down right now. So I'd be very careful going long. I understand that the market has been bought off every single time. I'm staying off. Like, I'm watching the market. Um, in terms of hedges, the best hedge are the ones where there's a basket of companies that are high growth. Can anyone tell me an ETF for high growth? Not XLK, not SPY, not QQQ. There's one that up there's a person a fund manager who has very high risk assets with no hedge meet kevin <laughs> it's that uh if you're looking for something liquid arc um arkk uh, so if i was to do a hedge what is hedge hedge is in insurance if you were to do a hedge i would do september monthlies i think september 19 and i would pick something closer to the money so Arc is sitting at 47-ish right now. I think I would pick 45. You can go 40, but I would pick 45. And um, you could also do Shark, S-A-R-K, which is an inverse calls in my, in that case. You could also do TQQ, but Arc would be better because has Tesla. It has a lot of bloated name. If it's <laughs> Zillow, all the crap stocks, basically. So you could do that. And then you should look at where the money is moving. Because look, August 1st started, they were selling off everything. Come Tuesday, everything. So far, what happens is we either open flat or we gap up and then profit takers come and then we rip at close. What's happening now is we're gapping down and buyers are failing. Now, if you saw a rally today and you're like, yo, look, we're, we're back, we're not. If you were short, there's no way you're going to hold a short through Amazon and Apple earning. Even with Amazon gapping up, QQQ was flat after hours. So they're not buying. And if Amazon sells, we can see, in my opinion, by September OPEX monthlies, September 17, we can see 4,200. So if you see how my tone has changed from bullish, 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 macro bearish, I'm telling you now I'm thinking, 4,200 by September, 
could happen a lot faster. Now, last two days, big hedges came. They came for August monthlies for QQQ and then SBX. I saw some bearish spreads for September. So be careful if you're going long on big tech. That's all I'm going to say. Another thing, Mark, side topic. I noticed that a lot of 50% or more of our audience is showing up in the last 15 minutes. Maybe we need to look at moving the time and people can vote or something like that. Yeah, we should get, uh, if someone could throw a poll up, that would be awesome. We don't have access to do it here. So, um, but if someone could throw up a poll or do a poll later on in the community tab on the come up series. And if you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you do that as well. But uh, other than that, I have nothing else. You, Mo? No, I'm done. Yeah. So until next time, y'all, peace out. Thank you for stopping by. You can find me on my YouTube channel, Uncultured Currency, as well as Halfbreed Observer. Mo, where can they find you? Uh, OTB Clubhouse on Instagram and OTB Shark Mo on Twitter. All right. Until then, peace out, everybody. That's 100. Thank you.